Welcome back to another volume of Truly Disturbing Tales from Reddit. Today we're going to be narrating three new unsettling stories taken directly from the platform. I encourage you all to sit back, grab a snack, and enjoy these terrifying personal accounts. Now, without any further delay, let's jump right in. So a little background information before we start. My father was in the army for 21 years. He retired and moved to a very small town in central Florida. He got bored after a couple of years, and even though we didn't need the money between his retirement and what my mom was making as a bookkeeper slash accountant, he wanted to go back to work. He started working at various gas stations, and it being a small town, the owners wouldn't care if I came along and helped him out with stocking the coolers or even running the register, so long as I didn't sell any beer or smokes. This all took place in the late 80s and early 90s. The actual story that I'm going to tell took place in 1990, and I remember the date well because it was shortly after my birthday, and being 15 in Florida, I had just gotten my learner's permit. My dad would let me drive him to and from work just to get some experience on the road during both the day and night. I was sitting in my usual spot at a table in the gas station that was set up along the windows. I had a book in hand, feet propped up, and a Mountain Dew on the table along with some snacks. I would generally spend most of my evening that way, reading books, getting up to run the register or stock the cooler at different times. I remember glancing up because something caught my attention that was unusual. I realized that it was a lady walking up to our parking lot from the direction of the interstate. The gas station was right on I-75 if that helps. This in itself was pretty strange, because where we were located, you didn't get many people walking, and definitely not walking from the direction of the interstate. I figured she had broken down somewhere and was coming to use the phone to call for a tow truck or something along those lines. But I was completely wrong. She walked into the store, looked around for a few minutes, and that's when I remember getting this strange and creepy feeling about her. She walked up next to the counter and began telling my dad this story about how she had become stranded and needed a ride up to the next big town up north from us. Ocala was the town. This is important. My dad lets her know that he's working, and there's no way that he can take her. That's when she turns her focus to me. And while she's looking away from him, my dad catches my eye and subtly shakes his head no. I was confused for a moment, but then she turns back to my father and points at me, asking if I can take her. My dad responded back that I only had a learner's permit, and wouldn't be able to drive her anywhere, and then drive back. Now, normally I would have done it, even though it was illegal, because I'd done it a few times before already. But I didn't argue with my dad, since this was completely out of character for him. He was normally chatty with the customers, but for whatever reason, he was almost curt and dismissive of her. Turns out, he had that bad vibe about her from the moment that he had seen her walking up the drive. Well, she cusses him up and down for a minute, 
and he basically tells her to get out of the store. She slammed the door open. I thought the glass was going to break from how hard she had slammed it. And then she stalks out of the store, back down the driveway. I keep an eye on her as she walks, and continue to watch as she makes her way back up to the interstate and starts up the northbound ramp, walking off into the night. Almost a year passes. I'm in my bedroom one night, less than a week before my 16th birthday. I hear my dad yelling from downstairs, Son, get down here and look at this. I quickly run down to the living room and see my dad pointing at the TV. There's a mugshot on the TV of a woman, and it only took me a moment to unscramble my brain and realize that I recognized the photo. It's of that woman that came into the gas station that one evening. Turns out that lady was a woman named Eileen Warnos. A quick Google search will tell you that I almost willingly gave a car ride to one of, if not the only female serial murderer known in the United States that night. She had been arrested at some bar in early 1991 on a weapons charge from several years back. But within a week of being in custody, she confessed to killing seven different men in the years leading up to this. She was convicted of first-degree murder about a year later and put to death in the early 2000s. It's been 33 years, and even now I still have nightmares about what could have happened that night. I was ready to just get out on the road, maybe do a good deed for this woman while I was at it. But I'm thankful for the fact that my father both had and paid attention to that unsettled feeling in him and was unwilling to let his son walk out the door with that strange woman. No telling what the ending would have been. This story occurred back in 2017 due to a multitude of factors, including a recent death of a close friend. I was unbearably depressed at this time in my life. For that reason, my family flew across the country to visit me in LA, where I live. We thought it would be nice to visit the historic Catalina Island. When we arrived, it became apparent to us that it was the off-season. Being in late November, the weather was cold, and as a result, the island was nearly empty, besides locals and a few straggling tourists such as ourselves. Our first priority was to ditch our luggage so that we could explore this island. So we immediately checked into our motel, although that word hardly does this place justice. I call it a motel because all the doors to the rooms exited to the outside, but in actuality, our room was one of 20, maybe 30 quaint-looking guest cabins arranged in sort of a horseshoe shape around a walkway, with rooms finding their way to either side of the path. The entrance to the motel was essentially one of the points of the horseshoe, and if you walked dead straight, you'd reach the room that we were given, basically on the corner before you have to go right to go further into the horseshoe. So from our room, one path led back to the street, the other further into the secluded maze of rooms. I encourage you to stay with me on this. After a day of exploring, 
and having just finished dinner, it was time for the cold, dark walk back to the room. Catalina Island is a decent distance from the mainland, and let me just say, it gets dark. Similarly dark was my headspace after the dinner conversation, took a left-hand turn, and my overwhelming depression got the best of me. I pulled my black hoodie tighter over my freezing ears and walked ahead of my parents to the room, telling them I just needed to go to sleep. And I did immediately. Depression sometimes makes that easy. I was already losing consciousness as they entered after me, drifting off without so much as a good night. Later on, though, I woke up to my mom saying my name, a harsh whisper. The room had two beds, my parents' bed, closer to the door, and mine, further into the room. My mom's voice cut through the silence again. She sounded concerned this time. I didn't blame her, considering my mental state. Groggily, I rolled over. What? I asked. As my eyes adjusted to the dim moonlight coming in through the curtains, I saw her turn to face me. She was surprised to see me in bed. Her eyes got wide. If I'm in my bed, who was she talking to? We both looked back to where she was previously looking to see a hooded figure in all black standing over their bed. Now, I know the context that you're listening to the story in you know that something creepy is going to happen. But I have to underline just how horrifically startling it is to be on an island in the middle of the ocean and wake up to see a hooded stranger looming over you. This particular moment seemed to last a lifetime. Life isn't like the movies, though, where characters unleash a blood-curdling scream. Sometimes, the only thing that comes out is something panicked, and guttural. My mom's words became low and severe as she said my dad's name in a dire voice that I don't think I'd ever heard her use before. Then the hooded figure did something so bizarre and unsettling. It didn't advance towards us, but instead crouched in the corner near where it stood. The way it crouched was so absolutely unexpected even in regards to this already unexpected situation that it terrified me. It seemed almost animalistic. I knew two things. The hooded figure had been standing over us sleeping, and it's not acting in any sort of way that I can understand. As opposed to the infinite moment of this figure standing over us mere seconds ago, the series of events that unfolded when my hulking ex-military dad woke up happened in only an instant. Suddenly, we were out the door, not knowing which way the intruder went. My mom was screaming, Get him! Get him! My dad was running down one path of the horseshoe, further into the hotel, shouting through sheer adrenaline, I'm going to f***ing kill you. I ran down the other path towards the street. When I got there, not one sign of the intruder but it became suspiciously quiet behind me. I ran back to the room to find my dad quietly walking back, his head low. 
He gets really close to me and I hear him say, It's a kid. It's a fucking kid. The explanation? Some young teen, tall and lanky as I am, wearing all black including a black hoodie, went into the wrong room. Our room. The one time my parents just so happened to forget to lock the door. My mom woke up when he entered, and seeing a tall person in a black hoodie, thought it was me, assumedly leaving the room in a depressive episode. And when the hooded figure crouched, that was him realizing his mistake, and then panicking. He was scared of us. As I got back to the room, my mom walked out and hugs this kid, who's now crying his eyes out. And let's be real, I would be too if a massive ex-soldier was sprinting after me with murder in his eyes. So, to the now traumatized kid from Catalina Island, I look forward to reading your Let's Not Meet of this same event, only from your perspective. This may be a ramble of thoughts, but after recently stumbling upon this sub, I finally felt a place I could offer something that my family and I experienced a few years ago that to this day gives me a good shiver. I've been camping, solo backpacking, and hunting my whole life in Oregon and felt comfortable in the woods and have a deep respect for nature. A few years ago, my wife, daughter, and our two German shepherds went camping north of Mount Jefferson, Oregon. I've included the coordinates of our campsite, which we found to be the perfect setup for us and our two dogs, who need the privacy since they are intimidating to other dog owners and can get loud when spooked. It was not an established campsite, just a nice horseshoe off of a U.S. Forest Service road that had flat ground, full trees, and a fire pit. The first night, my daughter wanted to sleep by herself in a two-man tent right next to ours. It was maybe two feet away from me and my wife's tent. We had our boy German Shepherd, his name is Guts, sleep with her in her tent. That whole first night though, neither my wife nor I could find sleep. We both heard footsteps, and they were heavy, not like typical forest critters scampering around the night. I was well armed because, well, I was paranoid. I had read recently, before departing, about a dad in California who was shot and killed in a tent next to his two infant daughters. Needless to say, both my wife and I had two pistols and my rifle with me. The dogs are great at detection, and that is why I felt my daughter could sleep alone because Guts is completely fearless, and nothing would lay a hand on her without a battle to the death. All in all, nothing but bad vibes and loud footsteps occurred that night, which I ultimately decided was a deer or maybe some elk. Day 2. Morning. We go for a walk down the road, and maybe 300 feet away, I see an abandoned road where a rusted gatepost was covered in vegetation. Something of blue color caught my eye, and Guts immediately takes off running down this abandoned road. My heart begins to race because I think it's another family camping like us, 
and he's going to get himself shot or scare some innocent people to death. So I chase after him as fast as I can, and the rest of my family follows. He stops after 20 feet into the road and me yelling his name, but I have covered just enough distance to see that there is nobody there, but there is something off about the sight. I yell, hello, is anyone there? Sorry about the dog, but I got no response. My curiosity gets the best of me and I have to see what the sight conditions were. As I get closer, I know something is wrong. It had all the necessities for a campsite, including a cooler, propane burner, tent, blankets, folding table, but every single item had been completely destroyed, smashed and torn from what appeared to be claw marks. We all walked around in circles, puzzled why anyone would leave all their camping gear behind, including an expensive REI tent. I figured, well, someone left in a hurry, and animals got to the rest, is the only logical explanation. Still, a propane tank and cooler were flattened by something, and it certainly wasn't snowpack with tree coverage in that spot. As the afternoon begins to roll in, me and my daughter are playing bocce ball at the campsite, and my wife goes walking maybe 70 feet north to do her business. I do not have a direct line of sight on her, but all of a sudden, I see Guts make a mad dash straight towards her. Normally, he would always be with me, unless he is called over and she didn't call for him. His speed and focus caught my attention, and I knew something weird was happening. So I ran over there, and my wife starts jogging at me. That's when I draw my pistol. Guts has continued his sprint into the forest another 100 feet before I call him, and he stops. My other dog, Leah, who never misses the opportunity to be the pack leader, is not taking point. I've had her for seven years now, and this was the first time in her life that she refused to leave my daughter's side. She was full hair raised and attached to us at the hip. Again, anytime we hike or play, Leah is up front bossing everything in her path, and then pauses to look to see where we are before continuing. I asked my wife what happened, and she said, I was trying to pee and all of a sudden, I felt every hair on my neck raise. I know someone was watching me, and that's when I saw Guts running towards me. I just got up and moved towards you. We spent 10 minutes looking for signs of anything and saw no trails, no broken branches, nothing to point to what and where something went. We decide that we're spending one more night, since it's now too late to pack up and drive, but we will all be in the big tent tonight. Before we go to bed, I put a rope with a makeshift coin alarm around the perimeter of our campsite. I used an empty bean can and some coins and keys from our truck, and zip-tied it so anything hitting the rope would give a little jingle. Very unsophisticated, but it put my wife at ease. As I go to tie my last corner off at a tree near our tent, our third mystery item unveils itself. It looks like 
someone has done the exact same thing I have done with a rope that was so old and brown that I didn't see it at first. It was broken and only a few pieces remained, but sure enough, it was tied at roughly the same height, eight to 10 inches off the ground, and even had a few rusted washers on it. I immediately felt someone has stayed here before and put the same makeshift warning system on the same tree I am, maybe 10 or 15 years ago based on the condition of the rope. Perhaps my paranoia had now reached a new height, but I had to make sure the girls felt we were safe, and at the time the only thing I could think of was that when evening came around, I made them sit in the truck and I fired a clip of my 45 into the dirt as a signal to whatever was out there that we were armed. I reassured the girls that anybody listening to that now knows that we have two wolves with us and were armed, basically making us too risky to be any sort of target. That way we could sleep safely that night. That evening though, we heard no footsteps and the dogs never perked up and barked. We left at first light the next morning. Fast forward to today and I watched the Amazon Missing 411 Hunted documentary. I noticed the cluster smack dab close to where we camped that weekend, and a flood of dread rushed me, as all I could think of was that mysterious abandoned campsite, with the ripped tent, smashed cooler, and cooktop. We have been camping since, and have enjoyed the beauty of the Northwest, but there was something there at that place that possibly took or harmed someone else less than 300 feet away from where we camped. And we all think our lucky star's guts was doing his thing so well that afternoon. Like I said, this all happened years ago now. Guts is no longer with us. He's journeyed into the next phase, and there isn't a day that goes by that I don't think about him and how he saved us. He was a warrior, and his new brother, Geronimo has that same spirit about him. Guts, I really hope you're resting easy, buddy. You deserve it. <laughs>